0: Michigan State adds two recruits, two former Beaver commits for the upcoming 2024 class. Also, other transfer portal news and notes. And then Carter Elliott of Spartans Illustrated and Sleepers Media joins the show to talk basketball. It's it's, it's not a fun topic, but it's a fun conversation. Yeah, hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team... Every day. Today's episode of Locked on Spartans is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more, and right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets. With any winning $5 Moneyline bet, that is $150 if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners, thank you guys so much for kicking off your day with us here at Locked on Spartans. Your team in green and white, five days a week. Please rate, review, subscribe, smash that five star rating button if you're listening to a podcast. And if you ever want to reach out, locked on Spartans at gmail.com. All right. Done with the housekeeping stuff. Let's get into the mix here. We will kick things off with football because they added two new members to their 2024 recruiting class. That makes it nine future Spartans for signing day. That's coming in hot right around the corner here. They got one more weekend of official visits and then bam. Ink hits the paper. We're going to kick it off with the newest tight end in this group, Wyatt Hook, six foot six pass catching tight end from Northern California. And when I say pass catching, I am not kidding. This guy had 34 catches, 404 receiving yards, and five touchdowns in his senior season. Now, he told Spartans Illustrated that, hey, I really like this pro-style offense that offensive coordinator Brian Lingren and Jonathan Smith are running over in East Lansing. And he is not kidding when he says that either because, uh, yeah, that is essentially the offense. We've seen some 12 personnel with Michigan State in the uh, last few years under Jay Johnson. And what I mean by that, one running back, two tight ends, that number of how much that's going to be run in East Lansing almost doubles with Jonathan Smith and his system. Should they, you know, go hand in hand with how they ran things the last few years. But yes, he loves himself some two tight end sets. So hey, White Hook said, Well, that's great. I'm a tight end. That's pretty cool. I like what you do over there. You develop guys. He also just sent Luke Musgrave to the NFL not too long ago from Oregon State. So yes, he sees the vision that Jonathan Smith is building. So the former Oregon State commit. He is following Jonathan Smith to East Lansing. So this is what we have as well here, because just like I said, this is going to be a system that heavily relies on the tight end position. So now not only do you have White Hook coming in as a freshman next year, but should these guys stay with the program, not dive into the transfer portal, you also have Brennan Parachek, Jack Nickel, Michael Masunas as well. I know a lot didn't go great the last few years, guys. I know it was a lot of sadness, but if there was one thing that you could be a little happy about, it was what happened on the recruiting trail, specifically with the tight end position, because those guys had just named off Parachek, Nickel, Masunas, were all guys that we were pretty fired up to have come to East Lansing. Now, should they stay? Hopefully they see the system coming to town and they do stay. We don't have any reason to believe that they won't stay, but hey, just for sake of conversation, If they do stay, that is a great young core of tight ends that, well, you know, you could just make a palette of paint out of. Because, yes, I'll say it one more time. Tight end reliant offense. Let's see what kind of masterpiece Van Gogh can paint up with this palette right here of young tight ends. Also, hey, should we be on Jack Velling commit watch this week? I, Who's to say? I don't know. I knew that Oregon and Washington were hot after him, but... We could be getting some good news about Jack Velling in the near future. He did visit officially over the weekend. And Jack Velling, if you don't know this kid by now, he was with Oregon State last year as a sophomore, led the nation in touchdown catches amongst tight ends with eight of them. Now I think he had something like 24 catches. So one third of all of his catches were touchdowns. I mean, you call that efficient, my goodness gracious. But yes, that could be another talented tight end to add to the mix as well in this system let's talk about commit number two for the day makai frazier five foot 11 215 pound running back from mckinney texas and well if you know texas football you know that is some 6a football right there the highest division that you can play in those schools are massive i mean go go ahead and look at texas high school enrollment if you're ever bored at work like my god They are just little cities, uh, these high schools, in themselves. Anyway, back to actually talking about Makai Frazier here. Powerful running back, and I got to tell you, very reminiscent of Brandon Wright for a few reasons. One, you can just see it on his high school tape, very powerful runner. Also, diamond in the rough sort of guy. Just like Wyatt Hook, he is a three-star as well. Many recruiting services had him ranked outside the top 1,000 players in the country, but another comparison with Brandon Wright, is that he's also a strong edge rusher, too, for his high school team. Now, again, he's five eleven, 215 pounds. I don't know if he's ever going to mold into that edge rusher. But, man, when I was watching the tape, it's like, okay, yeah, I kind of see the vision. If, if not for nothing else, really solid football player here that you have in Makai Frazier. So one more note to have about recruiting, especially with the running back position, Anthony Scuda Carey. One-time commit for the Michigan State class. He decommitted right before Jonathan Smith was hired. And then, well, my goodness gracious, it looks like things were going well that he was going to eventually commit here. He was going to visit this upcoming weekend. And you know how this is going to end. He is no longer officially visiting this weekend. He is going to go visit Texas A&M. So, no, that that doesn't, you know, mean for sure that he's not going to commit here, but let's all be adults about this. Uh, It does not look good on the four-star Anthony Scuda carry front. So, right now, as it stands, Michigan State at nine commits for the 2024 class. And the two guys I just named, like, no, they're not your blue chip recruits. By and large, this class is ranked in the 80s. Right now, I believe on Rivals they are 89 and 24-7 sports doesn't have them too much better. But here's my take on the whole class right now is that in reality, right now, new staff brought on. You didn't have a whole lot of commits to begin with before he even joined. At this point, it's just about numbers, right? At this point, it's just about signing a class that has, well, double digits in it, that you're not just signing nine at the deadline. And they won't. Like, that's not something I'm concerned about. But you do want to get as many kids in this class as possible. Now's not the time to be picky, pick and choosy. But you can't just, you know, go full desperate and offer everyone and anyone. And this is maybe the silver lining here, is that these are kids that Jonathan Smith, at his last stop at Oregon State, identified as diamonds in the rough, guys that, you know, fit their mold of what they want to do. And, well, Jonathan Smith found plenty of success with that over at Oregon State. Tough, tough shakes recruiting in Corvallis, Oregon. He never had a class in the top 50. And could that be a concern about his recruiting acumen? Yeah, maybe supposedly. We'll see how that is at East Lansing in the next few years, but I think it's more so of just the resources they have and being in the shadows of so many good programs over there in the Pacific Northwest. So, this guy has a knack for finding the talent that fits his system. It's not throwing Hail Marys at guys at the very end of the uh, recruiting period. No, these are guys that have been with Jonathan Smith, guys that he has liked. So, if not for nothing else, look, I, I again, I'm not trying to make this into hey, that's right. This is as good of a class as George's class, but no, like it it could be a lot worse. You are filling a class with guys that Smith already likes. And Hey, you know what? It's a two way street guys that already like Smith as well. Some quick transfer portal news, a big Dually Christian Phillips backup offensive lineman last year, saw a good amount of reps though. He was in the transfer portal for about 17 minutes. He uh, entered his name over the weekend. He has already pulled his name out, which is only good news for Michigan state. Again, um, maybe starting caliber coming into this year's team. But at this point, you guys have heard me kind of freak out about this every now and then the last few shows here, is that, wow, at one point we were looking to replace nine offensive linemen from last year. Oh, boy, you have Boyd. You have Baldwin. Take their names out of the portal. All right, that's only seven. Now you have Big Dooley. That's six. And as it stands right now, only Spencer Brown is the lineman that has landed somewhere else. He is going to Oklahoma. So we're going to keep our eye on the other five guys that could come back, pull their name out of the transfer portal, but that is good news. Also, Jonathan Kim. Again, This is just weird. Like it shouldn't be news that a kid is staying at a school that they're already at, but, Hey, 2023 college football, this is how things are going to be for now on. Jonathan Kim essentially announced that he's coming back to Michigan State next year. He is the rocket-like kicker that uh, truly became my favorite player on last year's team. And that is a big, big, I guess we'll call it addition or maintain, whatever, however you want to call it. It's nice to have Jonathan Kim next year, 68% on his field goals, but that is a very misleading number because 12 of those attempts were from outside 40 yards. He went seven of 12 from kicks beyond 40 yards. And in that number, Four of seven from 50-plus yard kicks. So it's kind of his fault that he has a leg strong enough to go further than 50 yards because, well, they just kept trotting him out there. He was perfect from kicks inside of 40 yards. So, yes, this is a massive, massive guy to have on the team. And, God, I'm just praying that for once this year we're actually in some games where field goal kicking counts. And means something. I think that'd be pretty neat to have finally this year. All right. And, uh, hey, if you guys are looking for an Aiden Childs update, you're wondering, oh, my God, when's he going to commit? Is he going to commit? Is there something going wrong? Guys, from everything I know, and I've talked to a lot of people on this, um, there's right now, right now, there's nothing to be concerned about. Like, it's it, it, everything is going according to plan right now. I will, however, knock on wood. Just to protect myself right here. But yes, I know that we're all antsy for the Aiden Childs news to drop in. I'm one of you people. Because as the days go on, it's like, okay, what is going on? But no, you talk to actually level-headed people that are very in the know. Everything is going according to plan still for this four-star transfer out of Oregon State. And also really quick, Noah Kim, former starting quarterback for Michigan State. He is going to Coastal Carolina and Coach Kapilovic. He was the offensive line coach here for those four years at uh, Michigan State. He has landed at Baylor. All right. So there is your roster news for football. We're going to get into the basketball mix here in a hot segment. But first, you need to talk your ear off about FanDuel Sportsbook. As the weather gets colder and the season gets older, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's right, gang. You don't even need to lay the points. You could just look at the NFL menu of games and pick a team that you like. Let's say they're double-digit spread favorites. Don't even don't even lay the numbers, just like I said. Just take them straight up, and if that bet hits, that is $150 in bonus bets straight to you. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on all the action. The app is super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over, under, and, hey, my personal favorite, first-time touchdown score, and so many more great options to make game day even better at FanDuel. So what are you waiting for, gang? Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown and kick off the NFL season. It's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Also, for all you last-minute holiday shoppers out there, TeamTicker.com is where you have to be for the Spartan in your life or, hey, Maybe you are just at Spartan in your life. Give yourself the best item for your basement, your man cave, your kitchen, your garage, your bathroom, wherever you want to hang one of these team ticker signs. Go get on that at teamticker.com. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, it's very easy to see what I'm talking about. It's this beautiful sign behind me. If you're on the podcast, this is a countdown sign you know, that you just see at a sports bar, but with 80 times more steroids, they have weather reports, they have schedules, they have stats, they have standings, AP polls. It is updated every single day, all accurate information. And my favorite part about Team Ticker is that, hey, they don't do a lot of schools right now. It's a new company. Michigan State is one of these lucky schools to have something on TeamTicker.com. And also since they're so new, not a lot of people have these signs, guys. So stand out amongst the crowd. Give the best gift possible at TeamTicker.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, to receive $50 off of your purchase. Again, gang, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $50 off this holiday season at TeamTicker.com. <sighs> Folks, I have, oddly enough, been looking forward to this one. And look, let's just you know cut it straight to everyone here. This is going to be a miserable 15 to 20 minutes, but hey, Misery Loves Company. I love this man joining us right here. He is of Spartans Illustrated, of Sleepers Media. Guys, it's Carter Elliott, one of the best to ever do it. Carter, how are we doing, man? That's a dumb question. How are we doing, though? Doing okay? You know what? I
1: think I'm doing the best I can do given the cards I've been dealt, and it was, it was was it's a bad hand. We're, we're not going to sugarcoat it. It's, it's an awful hand, but I'm doing the best that I can. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah, let me change that right now because our friend Joel Lenardi, he is the bracket man. He tweeted out his bracketology. Carter, <laughs> Michigan State's not in the last four teams in. They're not in the first four out. They're not in the next four out. They're just straight up out. And he had a little Twitter thread to describe all this. He said, Once upon a time, as in five weeks ago, Michigan State was a consensus number one seed. Since then, the Spartans have tumbled so drastically that comparisons to North Carolina last year, when the Tar Heels famously went from a number one preseason ranking to a miss NCAA tournament, are accurate. If anything, Michigan State's fall has been even uglier. The Spartans have only one win of note, Butler at home. And are zero two in the Big Ten already, and have an effective record of just one and five when you take away their sub three hundred ranked games. Carter, how are we doing now? We doing okay after reading all that?
1: Uh, no, I mean you're just you're just really pouring salt into the wound there, but that's okay because uh, it the situation is what it is. Unfortunately,
0: I'm sorry. I just like uh, I have to paint the picture of how bad things really are. Most state fans are well aware of like where we're at right now. But Carter, not just looking behind at what have happened, what has happened the last nine games, four and five record, but let's just look ahead to this Saturday because we started talking about this a little bit before we started recording that this Baylor game is one of Michigan State's like last chances to get their good non-conference win, right? Like they didn't do it against Arizona, not against Duke, of course, not against James Madison. But like this is it Saturday. If they win Saturday, which right now, by the way, Bart Torvik tells you that Michigan State is only going to be three and a half point underdogs. Does a win Saturday at Little Caesars Arena fix everything?
1: You know what? I don't think it fixes everything, but it'll definitely swing things in a crazy positive direction because you just spoke about like Lenardi and everything you do, Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of with what he's looking at with bracketology and things like that. And the unfortunate situation is when you look at this Michigan state resume, it is an absolutely atrocious resume. We have to <laughs> our note, like you mentioned, a 20 point win at home against Butler. But besides that, you really have nothing. And every opportunity that we had to get a marquee non-conference win, we failed at that so far. Uh, You know, the loss to Duke, the loss to Arizona. uh, We have another chance obviously with Baylor, but that's also surrounded by an 0 two start in the big 10, where you lose at home against Wisconsin, which when we look at at the end of the year, that's a quad one win that we could have picked up right there. So we're still searching for that at this point. This now becomes honestly a must win game unless we're going to go in some crazy run in the Big Ten, which honestly, if there's a if there's a little sliver of hope that might happen because outside of Purdue and Illinois, the Big Ten looks like it's very, very bad this season. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I refer to it as the little 10. It's gone from the medium 10 to the little 10 this season. <laughs> so, you know, we might have opportunities like that. But the, the the swing that the season could make if we get this win somehow at Baylor. And I say somehow because it's going to be a very, very tough game to win, even though it's, you know, neutral site, LCA, basically going to be a home game for Michigan State.
0: But uh, this this Baylor team is extremely tough. Dogs. I mean, God, I just – I love Baylor, except for this week. Like, I, I don't want to see them right now. But, hey, we have no other choice. I'll actually be at that game on Saturday because if I'm going to see the execution of the season, I, I want to see this in person, Carter. Um, but that's, like, the weird conundrum with the Big Ten schedule is, uh, yeah, it, it is a down year. There are a lot of forgettable games. What games impress the resume, though? Like, that that's the thing. And Carter, I... <laughs> I've got a really sad stat right here. I may have just spoiled my little question here, but right now Bart Torvik tells us there are seven quad one games left on the schedule for Michigan state. What do the computers say? How many games of those seven quad one games is Michigan state going to be favored in according to the computers right now, Carter? Oh God. Yeah. I know. know, Yeah.
1: The the ever, ever battle of me versus computers. And I always lose.
0: I'm going to say they're favored in, Oh man, three games. I'm going to need you to sadly subtract two from that Carter that they only see the Illinois game at home coming up in February being that game. Now I will say there's only one game of the quad one variety where they are like, Steep, steep underdogs. That is Purdue. They're projected to lose that game by 11. But the other one, this Baylor game, actually, I'm sorry, it's 1.7 points that they're going to be underdogs by, not three and a half, like I just said. Excuse me for that. Nice. Northwestern, 1.4, Illinois, 3.3, Wisconsin, three points. And then Michigan, God, we're actually going to be underdogs for that game by 0. 0.6 when we go to Chrysler Arena. Good God. Just reading that aloud makes me so furious. What happened, Carter?
1: God. I, uh, I, I, I try not to bring out the cliches of, like, everything that can go wrong goes wrong. Yeah. But everything that could go wrong with this basketball team went wrong. Um, I had yeah. a little uh, little self-check, a little self-talk with myself after that Nebraska loss. Um, and I went down the roster from top to bottom. And I did a fun yeah. little game of has that player got better since last season. That's not a fun game.
0: <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> yeah.
1: And once I did that, I did a fun little game of has that player regressed since last season. Also didn't have fun in that. Oh, man, the guys that have regressed and haven't been good. That's crazy. That's why we brought in this crazy freshman class to maybe elevate the season. What are those guys doing? Well, one of them's not playing. Damn, we need shooting, too. Huh, I wonder who we have. Oh, we had that one freshman that came in from Texas. Oh, he's a shooter. (laughs) Redshirt him. Everything is not going according to plan, man. Like, Tyson Walker is playing, uh, like, with this team on his back in my my – but if you really want to look at it through a lens through a microscope, Tyson Walker isn't playing as well as he played last year. The points per game are up, but he's not shooting as well from three. Other right. stats are kind of down. Obviously, he had the sickness, so that factors into it. He's got to get back into it. But it's just things are just not gone according to pan according to plan. We got, you know, notepads and stuff sent at us all summer, and we got lied to. So I don't know what what swings this around. I don't know what it is. Maybe a win at maybe a win versus Baylor does. But at the same time, I don't know if this team's going to have the troops that are going to rally behind a win versus Baylor and, like, carry that momentum, to be
0: honest with you. I, I'm i speechless because I don't think you're wrong necessarily. Like, as, as fun as a win Saturday would be, it'd be great. I know I'd be skipping out of LCA. I'd be I'd be telling Lions and Broncos fans on the streets of Detroit where to jam it. they could very well all be state fans. It'd be friendly fire on my part. But I, I will be leaving with my head above the clouds, but yeah, will will the team, <laughs> like, do, would, would they care enough? You think? <laughs> oh, I hate that. That's a question that like, I actually kind of believe like, do they care enough? <laughs> it's it's. Oh, it's great.
1: That's it affairs. <sighs>
0: I'm going to ask you what the saddest part of the offseason was, or like maybe just like the the worst part of the offseason was. This will make sense once I'm done here paying a bill right here with our friends at LinkedIn because, gang, these days every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why you have to go check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and, my favorite part, for free. It is so easy to add your job on LinkedIn Jobs that, guys, Even a schmuck like me can do it with ease, so I know full well that you can do it quite simply as well. And when you do it, add the purple hashtag hiring frame around your profile to spread the word that you are hiring. It is easy with so many qualified candidates, more than 1 billion professionals on LinkedIn jobs. Actually so easy that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So what on earth are you waiting for? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions. You got that right, Buster. They apply. All right, let's keep this uh, this panic room going with uh, our guy Carter Elliott of Spartans Illustrated Sleepers Media, just doing fantastic work at both of those places. Um, Carter, was the worst thing that happened this offseason, Xavier Booker getting that number one recruit ranking and then eventually settling at a top 15 ranking? Or would this all have been a lot easier on us fans if he just, like, hung out, like, in that 70-ish range where he kind of started when Izzo started recruiting him? I, I think you might be
1: right, but I think that in the bigger picture, and I hate to say this, I really hate to say this, because I know yeah. that it's been repeated over the last couple summers and everything has been said about it, and this fan base knows about it way too much. I go through the Big Ten this this offseason, right? Because as a as a Big Ten Michigan State basketball fan, why not compare yourself to other people in the conference who are, you know, looking to win the same thing and hang banners that you're looking to win? And I go team by team. And every team that I look at, they did not only recruiting as far as, like, you know, what Michigan State did. Obviously, they had a really good recruiting class, the best in the Big Ten. That's a real thing. We should hang our hat on that. That should be something that we should be proud of. But I look at every other Big Ten team, and they are doing something to improve their team through the transfer portal. Because right now we are playing in an era of college basketball where we are playing kids on a night-to-night basis who are old enough to rent cars. You are playing 24- and 25-year-olds on a nightly basis, and it's not fair to expect freshmen to come in and, you know, be the, the savior of a program right away. And I look at every single program. They've done something, even if it's a little bit, to add something to the transporter whether it be a wing, a big. I truly think that Michigan State missed the mark a little bit by not exploring it and being more aggressive in that this summer. And you know what? I, I do see why, because the freshman class was so – sought of, and you had the guys returning. I get that. I truly do. But to me, a team that has aspirations of going to Phoenix and is putting the Phoenix banner up in the weight room over the summer, it's it's not just winning the transfer portal. It's three, or not just winning uh, high school recruiting. It's like a three-phase thing. You want to, yeah. one, get guys back. You want to, two, have good freshmen that you can put into the fold. And, three, you want to work the transfer portal to fill up any holes that you might have to sure up some things. And, and I don't think we did that. And then you combine that with the fact that the guys we were depending on this season to be the seniors, to step up, this is the time. We're sick of being the guys that lose 13 games these past couple seasons and our seventh season of tournament and not winning the Big Ten tournament and not competing for Big Ten banners come back with some type of chip or crack on their shoulder. And they they faltered up until this point. And it, it's still early, I guess. I mean, we're eight or nine games into the season and we sit at under 500, that is a daunting thing to look at moving forward. It's a, it's a quite the hole we gave ourselves.
0: And like, I, that's the thing. Like I, I've been doing a lot of crying, of course, every single night after state games It's like transfer portal, transfer portal. But like, I, yeah, I can see why it wasn't dive dove, 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 did it into. That's right. That's the past tense of dive. Thank you. God, that MSU has education paying off right there, but. You hope that, like, Aikens can carry it or Walker or Hogarth. Like, they're all showing things. But, like, I just don't see how it is defensible to, you know, make that decision to not get another center or another big man because you've seen what Mati Sissoko has or rather hasn't done the last three years. He hasn't taken a step forward. Carson Cooper, yes. Okay, I'm going to make a jump from one year to the next. Like, how big of a jump can a guy like that make, though? A guy that was on IMG's B-team zero-star recruit. Like, he's trying his hardest. But, but he can't just be that guy. So I, I'm not saying like cut, like cut ties with any of those kids. But man, it's just, I think a lot of us could see that the center wasn't going to be it this year, and now we're all seeing it. And like here you are, just the idiots like me on Twitter getting to say, "Hey, told you so." I mean, is that, is that off base, or I, I don't know, man. No, it's 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 and it's, it's not off base. And this is the thing. It's it to me, it's
1: what makes is a great is that he's loyal to his guys. Like, you know, yeah. Spartan dogs. it's a brotherhood. He loves every single one of his players. Like, that's a fact. I don't think anybody yes. in the country outside of the Michigan State can argue that. But there's also such thing as loyalty to a fault mm-hmm. and false loyalty in my eyes. And you can be loyal to guys for being with the program and doing what is expected of Michigan State basketball players on and off the floor, representing the university, you know, all those type phrases. But at a certain point, that loyalty doesn't put the ball in the basket. That loyalty Correct. doesn't cover pick and rolls. That royal that loyalty doesn't grab rebounds. It doesn't, it doesn't affect wins and loss records. So it's like, you know, be loyal to those guys. And honestly, I feel bad for Madi Sissoko. I do because it is I not, do too. It's not yeah. his fault that he's not a big 10 starting center. That's like mm-hmm. asking me to come in and play big 10 starting center. This fan base would be on my bleep out. Okay. They would be sure. on me about it. As well they should, because I shouldn't be in that position. You can't expect yeah. somebody to do something. It's like looking at a flightless bird and expecting it to fly. That's not going to happen. So it's like all this pressure is put on Mahdi when in an ideal situation, give me like a five-minute spurt of Mahdi. Give me a five-minute yeah. spurt or 10 of Cooper, each, each, each of them. Who knows? Who's playing better? And then have another center in front of them that is holding it down. That's a, a big 10 starting caliber center. And I think yeah. that the trajectory of the team looks completely different. And also it looks better for, it, it's way less pressure on guys like Carson and Mottie because Carson made a jump this summer. He did,
0: but he's yeah, jumping he from a
1: guy who barely made his way to state to a guy. Right. Like, okay, maybe something there, maybe by the time he leaves Michigan state, something's there. If you're depending mm-hmm. on him this year, that's a bad basketball team. Unfortunately.
0: Yeah. And I'm just trying to be careful with the whole Mottie thing, because I, I agree hundred percent with what you're saying. Like, look, he's, he's trying his best out there, first and foremost. Like, you hear some stories about, like, oh, it's an effort thing. You don't hear it a ton, but you do hear it sometimes. Not the case whatsoever with Mahdi. Like, work ethic is far, far from the issue with him. Also, okay, it's kind of on the coaching staff to make sure a guy develops a little bit over four years. Or if he doesn't develop, we'll see it and get someone in here. That could start. That doesn't make Madi having to be this 18 minute a night guy when he really can't be on the court for that long. So I, that, that's why like I'm trying really hard to like make it clear that like yes, it's been disappointed with center, but like I don't want to like individually attack the kid because eventually in year four, some of this comes to the staff, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, write I mean, that out on it.
1: That that's that's kind of where I look first, and this is how I look at it too. Like people always kind of bite back at me in times when I want to talk about coaches on what he does, I want to make yeah. it really clear. Coach Izzo is a hall of famer for a reason. You cannot argue that. Mm-hmm. To me, nobody's above questioning or nobody is above criticism. And I think even Coach Izzo himself would say that or admit that, or even if he doesn't, because he's maybe a stubborn guy, he knows deep down and no coach across college basketball, I think is basically not, not able to be criticized at some point. And to me, in basketball terms, it it lands on coaches at at first when you're just, you know, kind of doting out what where the blame goes. Obviously, who cares where it really goes? But if you're trying to find kind of the root of the issue, you know, we've gone three or four years without a center without getting one. Really, that kind of contributed like we haven't had a dependable center since Xavier Tillman, Xavier Tillman's on his second contract in the NBA Jesus. like that. That's a God. long, that's a long time for a program like ours to go there. So wow. if you're going to invest in those guys and you're not going to go out and get other guys, you need to do whatever it takes to put those guys in a situation where they develop and Madi and guys that have been here for a long time. I think they might've changed. I think they've made changes. They made change their bodies have changed. Of course they've grown up. Yeah. I think they've actually made leaps. Um, but when you really look look at it and you really squint and kind of really focus on it, a lot of the guys are kind of the same players they were when they got here. Yeah. And it's like, OK, yeah, that is. But I don't know. Like you you got to at a certain point question player development when every single guy on the team this year has gotten worse. Everyone. Everyone. everyone it's it's bad and it's like is it on the coaches and the and is it, is it in the players heads and now it's like they're not making shots and they just look broken out there and you know yeah. what's the coach supposed to do to build up a, a guy who's been playing so much basketball's confidence it's a, it's a really tough scenario to be in
0: the players aren't the only ones that are broken that's Carter. that um,
1: that's that's big facts man i'm on a three-game losing yeah. streak right now the lions Michigan State oh, and Michigan State Twitter took a men's league loss last night. I'm in not shame. good,
0: <laughs> not not good. Oh man, that's that's tough, man. Oh boy. Um, is there anything nice that either of us want to say before we let people go and somehow try their best to enjoy the rest of their, their day after this little conversation we had? Or mm. uh, I yeah, think the one thing question. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, I'm gonna
1: make something up for y'all right now because it's really bad to be honest with you. I'm not a yeah. I'm not a moral victory type of fella. But um, I think, though, the one thing that can give you, even if it's a a 1% of hope, is that if there is a group of coaches, if you told me right now to name five or 10 coaches that could get a team out of this situation, Coach Izzo would be one of those coaches. Like, I guess we can lean back on that. You know, he made this bed. Now he's got to lay in it. He's also got to make it a great bed. Like, (laughs) this
0: is what it is. This is your dogs. Like, you you got your guys. So you got to, you know what I'm saying? You got to work with what you got. Shake the sheets around, see if any quad one wins fall out. And also, like, call other programs, too, and make them get better for a few games so they can become quad one wins by the time you play them as well. I
1: never never thought we'd have a, a, a somewhat of a talent issue with Michigan State. Like, I watched that Nebraska game. No, I saw, I'm right, favorable. I thought you're telling me Fred Hoiberg can go out there and get guys to outdo Michigan State guys. That hurts.
0: It wasn't even an upset on Sunday. Like that. I said It didn't want, even look want, like an upset. I want
1: Rink Mast in the green and white. Like, what? Come on. I've been to Lincoln. It's okay. Pinnacle's a big <laughs> arena. They don't fill it, it's not the Breslin Center. No.
0: Like, come on. Ugh. <sighs> Well, oddly enough, this makes no sense what I'm about to say, but I, I did enjoy this chat, Carter. Uh, it's I therapeutic. Right, it was cathartic. It was, um, it was nice.
1: Yeah. Now my wife doesn't yeah. have to hear this because I've, I've I've given a version of this many times since the game on Sunday. I got to get it all out right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I, I gave my wife quite the dress rehearsal of my podcast after the <laughs> game on uh, Sunday, and God bless her, she 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 hung with most of the rant. Gave me a lot of nods, being like, "Yeah, no, it's it's tough. It's really bad. It's like, God bless you. You're the best. I shouldn't. I have no. I have no right to be married, but thank you." Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, Carter. Until next time. May, maybe we'll smile the next time you're on. Hope I'll get you between that Stony Brook game and the Indiana State game as we beat the uh, what are they called? The Sycamores, the Salukis, whatever they're called. Yeah, Sycamores. Time. Well, we'll have you on right after that. So. <laughs> Guys, that's Carter Elliott, Sleepers Media, Spartans Illustrated. Truly love every single one. I, I genuinely mean this. I love every single one of you, especially those that have hung around for this long, miserable conversations through, <laughs> you guessed it, another miserable Michigan State season. <sighs> still, I still love being a Spartan. It's okay. All right, guys. Stop rambling. Love you all. Go Green.